The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV, series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Lower Decks called Room for Growth. I'm Tom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel is Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Star Trek on Facebook, where we're at facebook.com slash Media. Retweet us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and be sure to leave comments wherever you find us. We love to uh, talk with you and uh, have conversations with you and hear what you think. There's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called PlayStation Portable. It's the divine office or liturgy of the hours of the church, and it's an opportunity for prayer throughout the day. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash PSP. So, Jimmy, we're talking about the latest episode of Lower Decks in this most recent season. And could you give us a recap of what happens in Room for Growth? Yeah, for once, it's not super complicated. Uh, This week, Captain Freeman is possessed by an ancient mask, apparently not for the first time, and she turns much of the Cerritos into a temple. This puts stress on the engineering staff who have to fix the ship, and the captain decides they've been under too much stress as a result of the recent mask incidents. Uh, She takes them to a Starfleet spa ship known as the Dove to de-stress, But the engineers compulsively keep working anyway, which causes Captain Freeman to freak out. She's been repressing months of stress from the ancient mask experiences she's had, and the officials on the Dove are about to send her back to Earth for intensive treatment. But the engineers save the day at the last minute by building a machine that de-stresses her in just 10 seconds, because for them, doing engineering is fun and relaxing. Meanwhile, Mariner, Boimler, and Tindy are trying to get the gang's names entered into a lottery for four open rooms on deck one. But Tindy overhears their arch rivals, Delta Shift, planning to rig the lottery. This forces our gang to go on a long journey through the Cerritos to get to the lottery computer first. But when they get there, they discover that the lottery isn't for four decks, for four rooms on deck one, but for one room on deck four. And they don't want their own group to be broken up by not being able to live next to each other, so they decide to let Delta Shift rig the lottery and ruin their own friendships. However, when the clever clever Delta Shifters win, they put four beds into the room, turning it into their personal party room. The end. (laughs) Sounds like like a college uh, prank, you know, like the whole, we're going to get the the, the good suite in the dorm and we're going to rig the... uh, the, the, And in fact, that's kind of what it feels like throughout this, is sort of a Mm -hmm. college fraternity prank Thing. Yeah. Yeah. In- incidentally, note the inversion we had from last episode where we have our, our our lower deckers versus some other lower deckers and they end up being friends in the end, you know, because the lower deckers from the uh, Carlsbad actually think the Cerritos is really cool, even though they pretended like they didn't think that. And here we have almost the same plot where they end up stuck at a certain point with with the Delta Shift people and they start ta- swapping stories and bonding. And and just as 
just as our group, the Beta Shift, is saying, well, it's so nice that we, you know, have actually bonded and get be friends and everything, the Deltas immediately betray them. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that was a nice, I noticed that too. Was good. That was my first note, is that, that, that another story of them clashing with rivals, but the outcome is different. And so the expectation that we had was different. And I, I like mm-hmm. that. That was, that was pretty good. Um, I also noticed, like, as we, the, the episode started, we had this, their their usual like dorms in a, in a hallway and they have these bunks mm-hmm. in a hallway uh and it's very crowded it's overcrowded and so you kind of get get this idea that it's it's like a submarine where they have yeah. they have berths that people will sleep in but not full bedrooms all the time right 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 and th- so yeah you get the sense that the Cerritos is this overcrowded small ship unlike the expansive enterprise where you know uh, I think someone, I saw someone did a calculation once on uh, the size of the enterprise as they depict it and how much mm-hmm. room a thousand people will take up, given what we see of the sizes of corridors and, and quarters. And it's like it takes up like the living space on the enterprise. It's like mm-hmm. a quarter of the volume of the yeah. ship. And so what's all the rest of that space? Uh, so, it, it, yeah, it's funny. So this is all obviously overcrowded. <clears throat> um I do like the whole uh, we have an ancient mask situation here, which kind of puts a pin in the whole idea that uh, ancient masks have that are that are possessed or, you know, that take control of people have a way of popping up uh, in Star Trek. Yeah. And the design of the ancient mask that Captain Freeman is wearing is very closely modeled off of one that Data wore in a Next Generation episode called Masks, where Data played different personalities from this ancient civilization's mythology. Uh, The main one was a female deity named Masaka. Mm -hmm. And and here, Captain Freeman is possessed by a mask that turns her into an ancient deity named Manuki. Right, right. Uh, So, and Manuki starts, like, converting the ship into like this ancient temple. So the walls become stone with vines and water features flowing down and water flowing down them. And so engineering has to undo all that after she's stopped. It's a little reminiscent actually of that episode of strange new worlds where they, the, the, the doctor's daughter's fantasy book comes to life and takes over the ship. Yeah. Although that one, it just is undone. It's like they don't have yeah. to fix it up. So, um, and that causes uh, the engineering crew to get overworked uh, because it's so much work to, to fix all this. Um, did you notice one of the uh, female engineers in engineering has a Jordy visor, Jordy LaForge yes. visor? I, I noticed they yep. put that in there. Um, Which is interesting because Rutherford half has that. Yes. Yeah, he's got this eyepiece that goes over that gives him additional abilities you know that to, to see certain mm-hmm. things yeah so that's true um yeah and then uh commander billups the chief engineer has a breakdown in engineering uh when the captain comes in he kind of loses loses it a little bit uh because they're overworked uh repairing all this and so freeman arranges a getaway for them in like a mandatory vacation uh and so and then hijinks and sue as you mentioned um so uh we have to not to Anna, um, what's her name? Uh, Tendi, Tendi. Uh, mm-hmm. All the, these there are a lot of T names in here, by the way. T- Tendi overhears Delta Shift plotting, and so she tells the others uh, that what they've got planned. And so you got you have these different shifts on board the ship. We probably should 
you know, remind folks that, you know, uh, there's the alpha Bravo and Delta shift and, uh, and Delta shift. It's usually a three, three well, shift rotation. It, 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 this ship apparently is using a four shift rotation right. and they, they established that as far back as the chain of the two parter next gen episode chain of command where yeah. Captain Jellico takes over the ship from Captain Picard and wants to institute a, a four shift rotation instead of the three shift rotation they had been using. And Riker is a total whiny jerk about it. <laughs> well, um, to be fair, that is a huge disruption to the ship uh, that, <laughs> but yes, well, he, it's, he, I, I, I'm less sympathetic on that um, because you've got a thousand people on this ship and and I understand that um, you're rearranging people's schedules, but you shouldn't. This is the flagship. You shouldn't be critically understaffed to the point that you don't have enough people to man four shifts. Uh, That should be Hmm. part of strategic planning and you should you should just be able to have a spreadsheet run that will come up with everybody's schedules. Um, and so I think, I, yeah, as advanced as their computer is, it should be able to. Take yeah. Care of it. Yeah. So so I, I'm I actually think Captain Jellico was being perfectly reasonable on this. <laughs> um, and he's met, he's written in a, in a kind of unsympathetic way. But Captain Jellico is actually. He's actually consistently reasonable. Yeah, he, he's and and so I think he get, kind of gets a bad rap, but um, the um, but yeah, the shifts here on would be alpha, beta, gamma, and delta, and so if you think about a, a clock face, you know, if beta shift is on for six hours during the day, then delta is going to be on for six hours. Phase shifted twelve hours from them. Mm-hmm. So they're not so one team is going to be sleeping when the other is awake and so forth. And they're not going to have a lot of interaction. Right. Right. Yeah. They're 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 on for six hours, but they'll have a few hours where they're like off duty and hanging out before going to sleep. And so they interact in those. But yeah, they're they're the night shift, essentially, the the, I think even the graveyard shift, like the the very late night. So uh, and then, then there's this amusing rivalry between them. Um, yeah, so there's open quarters on deck one, which is funny because deck one is usually where the bridge is. Uh, so I can't imagine there's that many um, quarters on deck one. You know, there's the mm-hmm. captain's ready room. I, I, I guess the captain's quarters. Logically, to my mind, that's where the captain's quarters would be is near the bridge, but mm-hmm. apparently not. Um, yeah, just kind of funny that they, they they assume that, sure, there's four open quarters there like you wouldn't know like why would it be open did people leave did we have an accident on the do we lose crew members on the last mission that sort of thing so it's kind of funny that they they had this mistake they just don't even stop to consider whether the whether this is accurate information they have or not um so delta shift is going to cheat the lottery and mariner's justification for the the our lower deckers cheating is after all the times we've been cheated in the lottery it's our turn. And Boimler then provides the added justification. Well, if we don't do it, they will. It is. Is is it really a gray area? Like, is this this is not really all that gray. This is cheating, right? Like they're just justifying themselves here. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I just thought that was kind of a a funny a little. Um, you hear that very often uh, from people sometimes, uh, you know, oh, well, it's our turn to, you know, so if we have to cheat mm-hmm. to get our just 
that's that's just justice. Like, no, no, yeah. it's it's still cheating. No, what you should do is turn them in. <laughs> right, right. Disqualify them. Then you have a much better chance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that wouldn't be as funny. So we don't do that. Yeah. So and this is and so this is part of why the episode summary is uh, is shorter this this week, because Boimler then has an overly convoluted plan to how do we get to the air gapped lottery computer? And and so it's just a lot of incidents strung together, you know, like right. beads on a string. Um, but they're entertaining. Yes. So like the first one or one of the first ones they go to is they got to cut through the holodeck. Yes. And when they get there, there's a session that's active and they barge in on it anyway and just say, you know, just slink around whatever's happening. Dr. Ta'ana and Shax are in there and they're and it's all black and white which is cool. They've got the black and white filter turned on yep. and they're pretending to be gangsters in like a 1930s gangster movie. Right. And I, I, I like the, uh, I like the, um, when the lower deckers come in, Boimler is like, Oh, I know what this is. This is where people used to store their money. I think it's called a bonk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Tindy assumes this mocking, yeah, Oh, I'd like some pieces of paper that have no intrinsic value. Which is, which is a really great, if you're, it, it, you know, they're leaning into the ridiculousness of the, of the Federation not having money, but, I love how the writers put themselves into the mindset of someone who doesn't know what money is and how it works. And we're able to think back as how would they mock money? It's like, ooh, I'd like some pieces of paper that have no intrinsic value. (laughs) Which is is not wrong. They have no intrinsic value. (laughs) Yes. Okay. These are contracts. That's what they are. Contracts have value, not the paper they're written on. Right, right. Since we're talking about the holodeck program, apparently Tana and Shax are in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Lower Decks this season is more risky and edgier than in the past? Because uh, I, mean, I know no. the, the Mugato episode was pretty risque. Oh, you know? yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, and more so even, I think, than this one. Uh, but someone pointed out a to me. A lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Someone pointed out to me, oh, this just felt more adult, you know, more aimed at this prurient humor than... The last season, I don't, I don't know if it's that I, true. I, I don't think so. Um, I don't think it's. I mean, it's an element of the show, but I don't think it's getting worse or anything like that. It's this is not as bad as it's been. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I there could be a tendency to as you go on to look for more and more laughs based on you know pushing the pushing the boundaries, you know that sort of thing. But I don't yeah. think we've actually hit that yet. Yeah, and but we're in episode four of the season. We don't have a big enough data sample to make a judgment about is the season distinctly different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit uncomfortable. So it was, like, it was like, Oh man, that's a little more than uh, I, I, I needed to know about Tana and Shax, but uh, what they don't really, it's all in dialogue. They, they're not doing anything sexy. Right. Right. Um, and, and it's just innuendo. Yeah. I mean, and Jack's really, funny. really yeah. where it is, is in the mouths of the lower deckers because they're interpreting this as, oh, this is some kind of foreplay for them. And but it's it 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 it's not obvious that that's what it is. If if they hadn't included that line. Oh, well, it, it, 
Yeah, they they, they do say something that they're going to do. Like Tan and Shaq, uh, Shaq say something that is explicitly referencing it. We don't have to get oh, into it, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember that, so it must have just <laughs> in one ear out the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To your credit, <laughs> to your credit. Um, so from there they go down. Well, in, although yeah. Doctor Taana does offer to. Uh, so what I what struck me in that scene is. Shaxx is is wanting to stop the crime play that they're engaging in. That's the term he uses for it or that they use for it. Um, And it's kind of like, I guess this is kind of like their version of playing Grand Theft Auto or something. Yeah. Um, Or a first person shooter game where you're not a defined good guy. Um, so I thought, okay, well, we I guess we have crime play video games today and that's essentially what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. but Shax is wanting to stop it and have a serious conversation. And he says, you know, I died and we never even talked about it. Right. That's actually a good and, point. Yeah. And and that's I, that's what stuck out to me. And then to divert him from telling the story of his death and return, she offers to tell him how she lost her tail. Right. Which right. I had never even noticed before that she didn't have a tail. <laughs> right. um, maybe she, I don't know. Maybe she did in the first season and it vanished in season two or something. Or maybe she never had a tail, but I never noticed it. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I never like maybe she was a species without tails, like a, a feline. But uh, yeah. And that's when Tendy's like, no, no, I want to hear this story. Don't make me go. No, no, we have to go. And they turned off the safeties, by the way, on the in the hol- holodeck. So they could die from the bullets and that sort of stuff. So they're really uh, risking their lives. Um, Which is like Klingon, like Worf turning off the safeties for Klingon Batleth practice. Yes. Klingon calisthenics, which was like, I love that Mm -hmm. term. (laughs) Um, So there's a swamp under the hydro, uh, uh, under the hydroponics bay. That's the next area they end up in. Uh, Which is, which is really good because if you have like trees and they showed on next gen that they had trees in their hydroponics or in their, they have a garden, yeah. Garden, whatever it is. Um, yeah, most of the tree is underground. You're <laughs> gonna need you're gonna need something down there. It's, this is not just put it in a pot and 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 have it be a full size tree, right? Um, and I, I love as they're going through that, they're thinking about the people up in the botanical garden, and they're saying, "What what person would want to like join Starfleet and go into space to study plants?" And we <laughs> and we pan up to the garden. And and there's Kayshawn, the uh, the the guy who talks in metaphors um, and and he's he's working on flowers. Right. And and as he does so, he says, oh, Gramble, his throat slit by his mistress. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Ah, the path to come out of in spring will be Gramble, his throat split by his mistress as he snips. That's what he's doing. He's yeah, snipping yeah. the flower. Yeah. 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 What kind of weirdo sense of her job in outer space? Just a garden. Uh, did you notice in the swamp underneath the hydroponics bay the that there was a skeleton among the roots, like like uh-huh. a crew member who died in there? Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so that yeah, was funny. Uh, anyway, it's it turns out it's full of nitrous oxide, and Boimler and uh, Mariner begin to hallucinate. Uh, Tendi is not affected. Apparently, Orions are not affected by nitrous oxide. But uh, and we have a nice synesthesia moment because Mariner is able now under the influence of the nitrous oxide is able to taste sounds. Yes, yes. And and there are chemicals that can induce synesthetic experiences in in humans. Um, Nitrous oxide is not one of them as far as I know, but um, 
but it is possible for non-synesthetic people to enter an, an alternate state of consciousness based on uh, psychoactive chemicals and have synesthetic experiences like being able to taste sounds. Yep. Yep. That would be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so then they, they go through this room uh, that has the deflector shields operating room, but it, it's got lower mm-hmm. gravity. So at first they're having fun floating around and then the deflector shield gets turned on and uh, boy, and it ends become, up, be, yeah. becomes a tilt a whirl ride. Yes. He's like stuck to the, to the sides of it. And they, uh, Tendi and Mariner have to take off the uniforms and tie them into a rope in order to like uh, to to catch him and pull him out of it, uh, out of yeah. The thing. So so Mariner is is the anchor. They've got their uniforms between them as the rope, and then Tindy has to grab Boimler <laughs> off the spinning wall as he's whipping by multiple times a second, and she's just got to reach in and grab him by the purple hair and yank him off the wall. <laughs> yes, by the hair. Uh, so they end up in this ante room to the room where the computer that does the lottery is. Um, and they, ha- it, it only opens like the, the door between them only opens once an hour uh, because and, and this, is a, this is a ridiculous place to put an air gapped computer. <laughs> yes. Well, does did this not remind you a lot of galaxy quest? Like the, the, this whole crawling through oh, these sure. spaces. Yeah. I, mean, I, I kind of feel like this is a galaxy quest homage like the hmm. uh, here. And uh, so they're in there and that's when Delta shift shows up too. And they're in there and they end up bonding or apparently bonding, but they have this discussion about um, what is your saying for telling someone to enter your room? Like when I'm in the room, I'm going to say like Riker does, I'm going to say, come and you know, <laughs> they start practicing. And what is your word going to be? I'm going to say that too. No, that's my word. And like, this whole thing, like yeah. I never even thought about it, like that they would have different, uh, you know, enter, uh, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And Tendi is, mine is going to be welcome, friend. That <laughs> right. way they'll be your friend. <laughs> that's very Tendi. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things I love about Lower Decks is it kind of finds these things up, like these tendencies in Star Trek and kind of highlights them and blows them up. And like, do you ever notice this weird thing that they do? Yeah, everybody has a thing that they say to tell someone to come in the room. Like, that's what I, I one of the things I really enjoy about it is they really dig into the Star Trek lore and the 50, 60 plus years of it uh, and, and pull this stuff out. Um, yeah, so they they have this bonding moment with Delta Shift. Um, they, pre- they pretend that they're all going to enter their names into the lottery together. So, you know. It won't be just our names in the lottery, but all of us. And so whoever gets it, gets it. And then they betray them. You know, this, this, uh, curse your sudden yet inevitable betrayal. Sorry. That's a firefly. Reference. Firefly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I have the t-shirt for that. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that is, oh, that's a good shirt. Um, and then of course it turns out there's not four rooms on deck one, but one room on deck four. Um, and, and it is so very lower decks that, Instead of seeing the solution that Delta Shift does, which is we share the room, they're like, no, no, we're not going to take it at all so that we all stay together. And they missed the obvious solution, which would have been beneficial to them in the end. And uh, so that was kind of funny. And then it turns out there's a party and they want to get how do we get invited to the party in the uh, the Delta Shift party room? Uh, and that's kind of where th- that storyline ends. Uh, um, so to go back to the. Uh, the forced vacation for the Freeman and the engineering uh, staff. Uh, we get this funny tour of the facilities there by uh, an Afrosian. Edosian. Uh, Edosian, sorry. No, Afrosians so, are the white hair ones. Yeah. 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 So her name is Taz and she she's an Edosian. She has 
so, which means she has three arms. She's got one on each side of her chest and one in the middle of her chest, which is biologically completely ridiculous. <laughs> yes. um, but I, I like seeing that race because it was in, it was originally introduced in Star Trek, the animated series. The navigator who took over Chekhov's role was um, Lieutenant Eriks, and he was an Edosian. And then the sometimes replacement for Uhura was Lieutenant Morass, who was Cation, like Dr. Ta'ana. Mm. And I like seeing both of those species on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they get a tour. Uh, they see the puppy playroom. Uh, but then she says, for the more deviant, there's a kitten playroom. <laughs> for no explanation why that's more deviant. Just use the assumption. <laughs> also, well, you, yeah. Um <laughs> I, I like how as so Taz is escorting the group down the hallway and she's standing next to Captain to Captain Freeman and Captain Freeman makes a remark to the, all the engineers that are following them. And then they turn around and the engineers are way behind them. They're right back at the beginning of the corridor and they're clearly working on the elevator. <laughs> and and it's like, what are you doing? And and Billups is starts to him and haw about it. And Rutherford finally says, we fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. And they have these wristbands that show their stress levels and they go from yellow, green, if there's no stress, red, if they're super stressed. And then there's like a black level, which Freeman eventually gets to. Uh, and um, at one point they. They game the engineers game it yeah. by putting they're in a spiral. So they have cucumbers on their eyes. You know, that whole thing. They yeah. slip cucumbers between the wristband and their wrist to, to make it look to make it turn green because cucumbers must be super unstressed, I guess. But well, uh, I think it's just it cuts off the contact with your skin. And so it can't monitor your stress and goes <laughs> it doesn't detect any. And so it goes green. Yes. Yes. Well, we're just doing it for you, Captain. There's a uh, Tellarite mud bath. I, 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 I yeah. like the the concept of they they're giving them uh, mani pedicures yes. at this point, and so they're both having a pedicure and a manicure at the same time, and and this was a great idea they thought because it would keep the engineers' hands and eyes busy, <laughs> right? Because they've got their their hands being manicured and they've got the cucumber slices over their eyes, so they can't fix anything. <laughs> And or or design plans for things, which is another another activity that one of them had been caught doing was just designing plans. But then they've just gamed it by putting the cucumbers under the wristbands. <laughs> right. Yeah. Someone else was getting a massage, but underneath the table, like as she's face down, she's working on fixing some gadget gizmo thingy. Um, doing uh, a design. Yeah. Yeah. There's a uh, Klingon battle room that oh. they see. I also like the description of um, a mani is like a petty for your hand toes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Klingon in the battle in the battle super room, uh, there's like, we, we don't know how to get him out of there. We're, we're afraid of him. <laughs> like he's still going, going nuts in there. Um, the uh, Freeman end, ends up getting super stressed out, as I mentioned, because the engineering staff keeps making workarounds to relaxing and she becomes a black bander. That's what they call her. Yeah, and it's very dramatic. And and Taz says we've been treating the wrong patient. This woman's been under extreme stress. 
she hasn't recently been possessed by any ancient artifacts, has she? <laughs> and and Billup says, uh, maybe a couple. <laughs> a couple, right, a couple. Uh, so the, the engineers need to sacrifice their workaholism to save her. Uh, she calls them, you're just a bunch of Jordy LaForges, which is a nice reference. Uh, I, I like how um, at, when it, when because it, the engineers are wanting to be helpful. You right. know, um, and when they finally realize what they need to do or, or or what they apparently need to do, Billups is talking to the engineers and he says, we need to find a way to stop engineering and start relaxing. <laughs> and then and then Rutherford says, sir, I think I know what we shouldn't do. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what we shouldn't do. Yes, engineering, that's what you shouldn't do. <laughs> right, right. But what they end up doing is create, they, they end up they engineering. They do more engineering. <laughs> they, they create a pod that instantly relieves stress. They say it's better than a thousand massages combined. Uh, and they, they, they shove the captain in it and instantly... She's de-stressed. Like whatever this pod does, it instantly de-stresses. And it's a miracle. It's the most amazing thing. We'll be able to help all of Starfleet with this. And Taz Just orders it put one on every Put one on every ship. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Taz is like, oh, then or her assistant is like, oh, then the Federation wouldn't need ships like the Dove. And Taz orders it ejected into space. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. if, if there's a universal truth, it's that the, the go government workers never kill the job. <laughs> yeah. no, don't kill the job. <laughs> uh, so and uh, so that's and that's where we we, we basically end things. Uh, they get back from the the spa, and uh, Meredith says to Rutherford at one point, "Hey, relax, man." He's like, "I am relaxed. I just got back from a spa." He yells at her <laughs> angrily. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and that's where we end things. So, any other notes? Nope. Uh, I'll do it then. Uh, we do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Ben H, Piotr T, Gareth H, Samuel A, and Judson G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to hear what you thought of Room for Growth, this Lower Decks episode. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media. You can send an email to trek at sqpn.com, or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Lower Decks. And until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you. Live long and prosper. And one final note, notice that this episode's title, Room for Growth, didn't have any deeper meaning to it, really. <laughs> yes, it wasn't a clever title. It was a functional one for once. Yeah, well, the, there was room for them to move. It. They, were, they were looking for a room to, to go into, to move into. And Freeman had some room for growth in her relaxing. Yeah, no, and yeah. my point is, yeah, this title right. doesn't, it's not a clever title for once. <laughs> nope, nope, it's just what it is. What it is. Anyway, uh, once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Star Trek on Star Quest. And remember, Bold Boimler is unsustainable. Bold Boimler is unsustainable.